Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action to create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in this tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Catherine Kress. Catherine is Perceptus Vice President of Strategy. She has 25 years of experience in marketing and customer experience consulting, having managed global marketing, products and services development, and more. Catherine is a clear leader in everything she does and has the resume to back it up. Her ability to build and lead teams is second to none. And she has a great vision on the path to success for women working in any industry, especially marketing technology or the BPO space. Catherine, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great. Let's get started. So, Catherine, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, Not terribly traditional, I'll tell you. I graduated with a degree in Asian studies and political science. Um, And most of my early career was overseas, um, you know, in that space. And I really started down the tech road um, about five or six years in and started working for a company in California called the Institute for the Future that did customer technology uh, forecasting 10 years out. And in that position, really honed in on customer behavior and how the technology was coming along to enable new experiences. And from there, my career has spanned consulting in customer experience and technology over into leading advertising agencies, global marketing, software development, um, all the way to where I am today, which is heading up a customer experience strategy for a global contact center and customer experience company Um, of which, again, technology is a huge role. That's awesome. That is awesome. And a lot of people don't start their careers, you know, in technology. So you're not unlike many of those, but what a great transition. Yes, yes, it's been exciting. And, um, you know, I'll say I I am much more on the customer experience side of technology and building up those requirements than, you know, some of the hardcore technical implementation side, which has been you know, really rewarding to use both sides of the brain. Yes, and very important to have both the business as well as the technology side in order to really make it successful. Agreed. Okay, so you're a clear leader in everything that you do. Can you share with us some of your best practices around building and leading great teams, especially for women? Sure. I think it's really important to set great direction for your teams, but not micromanage them, you know, let them have ownership over their pieces of the pie. Um, You know, people come into a position with great skills and it really is, you know, I tend to look for, is a person curious? Um, You know, do they have the the drive to succeed? A little bit of an entrepreneurialism to them, especially in the space we're in. Uh, That's really important 
because the industries change and the technologies that support us change quite a bit. So, you know, it really is trying to set the right direction in the future vision and then letting people do what they do best and holding them accountable. I think as well for women, it's really important to understand where the work life fits in with their overall life. Um, you know, I've had, uh, I have two children and, you know, for me, they're very important part of my life and, you know, being allowing the work-life balance and some of that flexibility that keeps people engaged and lets women understand that they can succeed in the marketplace and succeed at home, not always easily, but being open to some of that flexibility. And, you know, as long as you get your work done, when and how you do it is, you know, kind of open to you, I think is really critical in getting and keeping good people. I think those are great pieces of advice to be curious, to have the drive to succeed, uh, take initiative. I think the other couple pieces I feel like passion mm -hmm. is a big part of it. Uh, passionate, you know, passion over overrules like a lot of things because that drives you to keep going, right? So how do you feel about passion? It, it's really important. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to me, somebody who has passion, really, those are the people that are going to look for a better way to do things. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, work can be challenging. Right. Lots of things pulling at you, especially when you're trying to, you know, like I say, bridge that family in that workplace. And if someone does not have a passion for what they're doing, then, you know, chances are they will get burnout much easier and um, lose interest um, and potentially look for something else to do. So trying to keep that passion going um, in a team is really important to success. Yeah. And then I see for women, I think confidence is something that really a lot of women lack. So anything we can do to build their confidence, motivate them, uh, keep them always believing in themselves is also very important for their success. Now, you know, we want them to build that on their own, obviously, before they come into the workforce, but sometimes that's lacking. Do you see that? I do see that. And I see that um, many times women, um, especially, you know, those younger in their career are a bit hesitant to be the ones to speak up in meetings, you know, and voice their opinions. Um, and, you know, many times there's a natural predisposition to say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, to apologize for certain things. And, you know, one of the things that I've always tried to mentor young women on is being confident in what they know um, and, you know, how they can help to do dry runs before being in meetings and build up that confidence. And, you know, when they're in meetings or when they are putting forward an opinion, not to be apologetic about it, but to own it. Um, yeah, that's and, great. Yeah. So share, share some thoughts about the complexity of the customer support industry, because, you know, that's very, very important to business. Um, and things were different many years ago than it is now. How has that industry transformed over the years? Oh, it, it's been huge. Um, you know, contact centers, as you think about them today, really started out in the 1950s, 1960s, you know, predominantly started out by women, um, mostly housewives, um, calling, taking calls and placing calls from their homes. Um, and that, of course, has changed leaps and bounds in the past 20 plus years. Of course, with COVID, we are all back in our homes again. <laughs> um, but, you know, today, um, that has really expanded beyond what was traditionally a very phone-centric um, industry to within the last 20 or so years, adding chat, adding messaging, adding SMS, um, 
you know, social coming into being. So really branching out into all sorts of digital forms of communication. Um, and uh, really that has created challenges for companies on how best to manage that. Um, you know, not only is the skill set a little bit different, you know, some people are really good at phone, others are really good at written communications, but how we have a technical infrastructure that's able to knit those channels together and create a seamless customer experience um, is difficult. Um, and, you know, how we're able to transition across those channels is a little bit difficult and how we manage AI and automation and all of the other wonderful things that are coming into play to make the experience better is something that needs to be carefully architected and enabled. Yeah, it is very different. You're right. I mean, uh, all the tools, the technology tools we have today, we didn't have then. I was shocked when you said that the contact centers were actually primarily by women, you know, because that that makes sense of a work-life balance as well. If they had to be home with their kids and do house stuff, you know, you, you can kind of do both if they were in school. So that's really interesting. Um, and then, you know, chat, messaging. Do you see a difference? I know your role is global. So do you see it differently in certain countries versus the U.S.? Some countries, um, yes. I mean, there are certain countries where they're a little bit more uh, digitally forward. Um, than and others that tend to be more phone centric. And it also will, you know, vary a little bit um, by industry or customer type, you know, whether you are a commercial customer or a retail customer. So the, the critical thing for companies is really understanding how customers want to communicate with you and through which channel. You know, many mm -hmm. times we see companies that will look at a new technology and say, oh, I need to stand up chat. I need to stand up messaging. I want to launch bots and the technology is not an end goal, right? Technology is really an enabler to a customer experience. And depending on who the customer is, they may prefer one channel over another and they may prefer different channels for different things. Some things lend themselves really well to messaging or SMS. Others, you know, if you're on a website and you want to do a quick chat, um, that works really well. Some things it's, I'm going to need a phone call, mm -hmm. right? So it really is trying to understand what is a customer looking to communicate with us about and what's the best way to do that? Whether that is self-serve, right? Or automation, is it something a bot can easily do or whether that's lending itself to another channel and, and really trying to architect an experience for both the customer and for the agent who's trying to service that customer um, in the right way with the right kind of an omni-channel um, flexible platform. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, so it almost seems like it's unique by customer, uh, not even so much by country or by, you know, um, if they're digitally forward or not, because some countries could be digitally forward, but the customer is not. Or, you know, we always ask our customers, what's your communication preference? Because now there's so many ways to communicate that, you know, if you don't get the right one, you, they may, you may lose them. So that's so, so critical. So that's really interesting by customer. Yes. And, and I think the important thing is not to look at channels in isolation. You know, when new channels came along, it, it's really what we call kind of a multi-channel infrastructure, what most companies have rolled out. And, 
you know, that means that you'll have the phone channel and you have certain agents that are skilled into that channel. And then chat is separate. Messaging is separate. They don't really communicate with one another and the systems don't have the ability to see if agents are available across them. Mm -hmm. And that can create friction within the customer experience and inefficiency within the contact center because you have to staff those teams separately. And where the world is really moving is an understanding that a customer may start a message in chat or start an SMS and then want to move to the phone channel. Or they may be in a conversation up front, but then want to communicate via um, messaging following that communication. And unless we build omni-channel systems that have visibility of our agents across channels and hire agents that have flexibility across channels, we're not able to deliver the experience that customers want because it will change um, depending on what they want to talk with us about. And it will very well change across the scope of that interaction, particularly if it lasts multiple sessions. Yeah, I have a customer, it's so interesting that will change their communication channel based on where they are. They travel a lot, where they are, what they're doing. If they're at their desk, they might use email. If they're on the road traveling, they might use uh, Skype. It's it's very interesting to see, you know, how different people react to different channels and how they use them. Exactly. Yeah, very interesting. So let's now talk about technology in the BPO space. You say it's not a gadget, it's an enabler. Can you tell us more? Yes, um, this is one, you know, a little bit, um, just touched on it a wee bit, but a lot of times people will look at, especially with bots, you know, it is just a, um, you know, a gadget or a tool to be stood up, but really technology should be viewed as the enabler for the experience that you're trying to deliver, whether that is for the customer or whether that is for the agent. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's not looked that way, then oftentimes we see companies standing something up just to say, look, I I did it. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. I checked a box. We want to be modern. We want to have this type of technology. And that often won't deliver the right results or be integrated into an overall part of an experience. Very interesting. Yes. And it is an enabler. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um, So managing people, process and technology is critical to your brand, critical to success. How do you navigate this space to ensure that you're being successful? Great question. Yeah, there, um, I look at it, there's an order to things. And, you know, process is the tip of the spear. And, you know, process kind of encompasses that, that experience that you're trying to deliver. Um, I think the trick for companies is to really, when you're looking at process, lay out what it is you're trying to achieve, that experience that you want to make happen, the processes that will enable that. And look at both sort of a five-year out, where is it I want to go? Because that's what you need to plan for. But also look at what is it I can do today? You've got to kind of balance the near-term and the long-term. And once you understand that experience, that customer journey, and then the agent journey that's going to deliver that behind the scenes, you can then look at and say, okay, what does that mean for the technology? What do I need the technology to do to enable this process? Um, What people skills do I need? What type of person do I need to deliver this particular experience or process? And that will often help you prioritize and look at what is the role of automation in this process, right? That's going to actually make it a better process, um, not overly complicate it, um, not try to take out more of the human interaction that would ultimately 
end up in a worse customer experience, right? But that sort of is the order. And it really is understanding as well, when I'm looking at those processes and the experiences that I want to deliver, more and more the industry is moving away from, you know, how am I just here waiting for the customer to call me, right? Part of what is brilliant about technology and AI and automation is we have predictive abilities. We have the ability through technology to forecast what is going to happen to a customer or what is the customer going to want from us? Whether that is preventative, you know, we work a lot in automotive industry. So things like your vehicle health alerts and remote diagnostics, how can we anticipate problems before they happen to prevent them? How can we anticipate customer needs? And so a lot of the industry is moving to more proactive, more outbound and really trying to leverage a lot of the analytics and the insights and the predictive technologies we have to transform the customer experience in a way that customers can't even imagine today. That's amazing. And and everything you said is just spot on and, you know, looking forward and planning today for the future. So I'm curious, how do you know what's going to happen five years out and how, how is that going to be predictable? Um, you know, it's funny you say that. When I worked, I mentioned the first, uh, um, one of the first companies uh, that I worked with getting into technology was a company called the Institute for the Future, and they do futures forecasting. And, you know, one of the things that is held true is people often overestimate change in the short run and underestimate it in the long run. And so it really is kind of the trick of how do you get it just right? And, you know, people have a certain um tolerance for change and, and, you know, in capacity for change. So a lot of what we will look at is what is technically possible and then balancing that up against, again, is that something that a customer is actually going to want today? And can we deliver that in a seamless way? Sometimes if you jump the gun a little bit too fast, it's great to do pilots, but if you can't scale it in a reasonable way, um, you'll get yourself into trouble. So, you know, we always look to the future as what will technology enable and then what is the right timeline to actually put it into production at scale with our customers. I love that. That is not easy to do. I will tell no. you, I love that you said it's overestimating the short term and underestimating the long term, because if I look back and I say, OK, could I have predicted this would happen 10 years from then? I could say no. I had no idea. Like now, today, life without technology is impossible. I mean, we are, I was thinking, I can't live without my phone. Everything is on there from my credit cards to my appointments to everything I do. And I could never, never predict that, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So on a personal note, Catherine, who inspires you and why? I would say lots of people inspire me. But if I'm picking one, I would say mm -hmm. it, it actually is my mother. and. Mm -hmm. The reason why, um, you know, my mother never graduated from college. Um, you know, she got married out of high school. I had my sister and I, and um, my parents were divorced um, early on, and she became a hairdresser. And from there, she just was incredibly tenacious. She, you know, ended up as an office manager in um, automotive supplier world, and she grew herself into being the very first female sales representative in her company, representing tier one automotive supplier to mm -hmm. Ford Motor Companies. Um, so, you know, she really was always an inspiration of taking care of family, you know, my sister and I first, 
but coming from really just her own curiosity, intelligence, and you know, drive and passion, as we talked about, to become a very successful businesswoman leading whole teams and responsible for millions and millions of dollars in business. And, you know, she has just continued on to, you know, teach me about how do you be a, a good person? How do you, you know, take care of family and work and find that um, balance in life while also, you know, volunteering and doing a little bit of uh, social responsibility on the side. That's nice. That is a really good balance. And she sounds incredible. Very, very great inspiration and uh, role model in your life. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I love to travel and travel has been kind of put on hold with the pandemic in the last couple of years. Where is your most favorite place to travel and why? Oh, my. Um, I have been to a a lot of places having worked in international relations, but Mm -hmm. I would say one of my all-time favorites is Bali, Indonesia. And the reason I love Bali, I used to scuba dive um, much more so before I had children, but I love Bali because it's not just a beautiful tropical environment um, where you can do everything from rainforest and, you know, whitewater rafting to scuba diving, et cetera. But the people and the culture is just beautiful. Um, Balinese culture from the batik fabrics to just, you know, the, the open nature of people. It's such a welcoming, wonderful island that is just so different from, you know, what you tend to see in the United States of America. Um, and I look forward to going back there as often as I can. That's awesome. I'm going to have to add that to my list because it has not been on my list. But, you know, I saw the movie Eat, Love and Pray, and that was there was a portion of it in Bali. And I've always been fascinated by it, but I think I want to go there now. <laughs> I would definitely put it on your list. It is definitely. a wonderful place. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So this has been so wonderful. I could talk to you forever, I think. <laughs> um, in closing, what advice would you give to a woman considering a career in the tech industry? I would say that you need to be curious. And be ready for a ride because technology is changing at such a more rapid pace than I think it ever has. Um, you know, it's always been fast moving, but today it seems like it's moving very fast. And, you know, particularly the importance that it has on work life overall with so much more work from home that's not going to go away. I think women in tech need to be very curious, um, very much looking for the next improvement and ready to pivot, ready to change. Um, And the other piece is what we talked about. I would say, you know, grow your confidence. Um, You know, I used to tell young women working for me that were, you know, nervous or not sure of themselves. You know, you've got a good head. You know more about this part of the business than anybody else. It's yours, you own it. So own it and, you know, move it forward. And you know what? If you make a mistake, you'll learn from it. You know, it's technology. We're not curing cancer. Nobody is gonna die based on a decision that is made. So trust yourself and have fun. I love that. What great advice. You're spot on in everything that you said. Um, I think, you know, technology is a great, great career for women. Gives you, you know, that work from home ability as well. And just learn to balance and set your boundaries and, you know, build your career with confidence. So great, great advice. 
Catherine, this was such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. Um, please share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you. Sure. I'm the best way. I am on LinkedIn, Catherine Crest. Mm-hmm. Um, you will see me under um, a partner at T-Tech or a vice president of technology at Percepta. I go by both. Great. Um, definitely feel free to reach out to me through LinkedIn. It's probably best. Great. Well, thank you again. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.